0: I invite you to take your Bibles and open with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're going to look there at the very basic verbs of the of the Easter message because Paul, writing the church in Corinth, wanted it understood here is who he is proclaiming and why. Paul was writing to a church that was mostly pagan. They had most recently come to Christ. And so as we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, I want you to read with me and see with me what the basic Basic story of Easter really is First Corinthians 15.1. Now, brothers, I want to clarify for you the gospel. Did you hear that? I want to clarify the gospel. Well, you'd already preached the gospel. Many Corinthians have come to know Christ through the gospel. Many Americans have heard the gospel. I dare say most of you in this room have heard it many times. But some of you, it is still not clear the purpose of easter and the purpose of today and the purpose of paul's letter i want to clarify for you the gospel the one i proclaimed to you and the one you received and have taken your stand on verse 2 of ch- chapter 15 1 corinthians you were also saved by it if you hold to the message i proclaimed to you unless you believed to no purpose or believed in vain now look at this i passed on to you of most importance what i also received here's the verbs Christ died. You know that to be true if you know anything at all about Christianity. Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. He was buried. He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and he was seen or he appeared. That's the Easter message. Christ, according to the Scriptures, he was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. He was the one promised as the Messiah who would take away our sin Jesus Christ, according to the scriptures, died a horrible death on a cross. He was buried in a stone tomb with a stone, a rolled stone across the entry. He was buried. He rose again on the third day, on a Sunday morning, three days after his crucifixion. And the Bible says he was seen by many witnesses. Though you know the elements of Easter this morning— not to insult our intelligence and not to go back so far that we say, goodness, I could have stayed home. I knew all that. But I want to remind you that the reason churches are filled every Easter is because there is in the heart of each of us that desire to say, I really want to be sure that I understand the gospel, make sure I'm in the gospel, have been saved by Jesus, changed by him, just like these you saw saw a minute ago. I want to be sure there was a time I went to the foot of the cross and received his death in my place for the wages of sin is death. I want to be sure there's time in my life that was a burial that I put old things away. The Bible says old things have passed away. When we hear somebody say my dad, my husband, my wife, my 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 child, my friend passed away, we don't have to ask what does that mean? We mean there's one more gravestone now in the cemetery. There's one more marker that indicates by name and date of death, somebody has gone from our midst. The Bible says old things have passed away. And then here's what it says. All things have become new. Have you had a time when you buried your sin, when you buried your guilt, when you buried all those things that haunt you? Did you really bury them? And then the Bible says on the first day of the week, Women went to anoint the dead body of a, of a Jewish rabbi named Jesus, and he broke the appointment. Instead of finding Jesus, the Bible says two angels appeared in radiant garment, faces like lightning. And they said, why are you here? Why do you seek the living among the dead? He's not here. He's risen just as he said. So this morning, what I want to talk about are those three elements, the cross, the tomb, and the resurrection. The resurrection. You understand when a person came to the cross, when a person came to a point of, of, of judgment, the verdict had already been determined. Jesus went on trial you know that was up all night on trial, five different trials: Annas, Caiaphas, Herod, Pilate and Herod, uh, Pilate, Herod and Pilate, before he was turned over the Jews to be crucified. By the time a man got to the cross, the trial had been held. Guilty as charged. sentence, death by crucifixion. The only difference with Jesus is he was never found guilty. Everybody that came in contact with him said he is a righteous man. Pilate washed his hands after putting Jesus on trial and said, "I can find no fault in him." He asked him, "What would you have me do with Jesus? He's done nothing worthy of death." And they shouted, "Crucify him." He said, "I'll even exchange, give you opportunity to trade prisoners. How about Barabbas the thief or Jesus?" Son of, son of God, which would you have? They said, give us Barabbas. Why, the world's always more comfortable with sin and sinners than we are with the righteous. The Bible says on that day, Jesus went to the cross, and it was the horrendous verdict of death. You know what happens when you go to the cross? When you and I accept the cross of Christ, what we're acknowledging, God told the truth about me, and he told the truth about you. The Bible says all have sinned. That means 100% of us in this room have been affected by a horrendous virus, it is lethal. For the Bible said the wages of sin is death. When you and I are bitten, when you and I are bitten and infected with the virus of sin, we're going to die. Not, not just physical death. When we sinned against God, physical death began. God intended us to live forever. He's an eternal God. He made us in his image. He gave us eternal life. But when Adam and Eve sinned, death began to set in. And here's what it looks like. at 66 on its way to the end. Death is imminent. It's real. One out of one persons are gonna die. That's physical death. But if you don't know Christ, you're gonna have a second time of death. What does that mean? God forbid if I die today in a car wreck before I get back home, I will have hugged Janine Garland for the last time. I'm not guaranteed a lunch. And if I die today physically, I won't see her again here on the earth. Death separates loved ones. If you die without Christ, the Bible says you are separated from God forever. Death, that's the verdict of the cross. You're guilty. When Jesus Christ was taken to the cross, he was acknowledging, I'm gonna take to the cross all the past sins of every person that's lived. I'm gonna take all the sins of all the world on myself. I can't imagine. You know, everybody has a past. Moses had a past. He killed a man, buried him in the sand. Abraham had a past. He lied about his wife because he's afraid he'd be killed if a, if a ruling king took her for his, for his lover. And so Abraham, Abraham got afraid and said, She's my sister. Peter had a past. He came to the point of trusting, of acknowledging Jesus. And just as Jesus said, You're going to deny me, he said, I hope lightning strikes me dead if I know Jesus. And the cock crowed, and suddenly his heart felt the guilt of betraying Jesus. Paul had a past. He said, I was of the church. I was of I was of zeal, a persecutor of the church, meaning I kill Christians. Anybody hear that bat off? Everybody has a past. On the cross, Jesus Christ took all of our sins and all of our past. You know, the Bible says it's it's the cross is a place of the verdict. It's the execution point. And the Bible says you and I go there because our past dictated somebody has to pay. We don't use the word very often anymore called atonement. We'll use the word restitution. It means that somebody has to pay for the damage you did. Some of you parents, you had a child that did some act of vandalism, and the court said, then you're going to have to pay for what your son did. That's called restitution. The biblical word is atonement. Who's going to satisfy that which was done wrong? Jesus said, I will. I will. Do you know how bad you felt when you had one sin that you committed that you just would give anything to the world if you hadn't committed? Do you know what it feels like to commit one sin and you're so terrified that if you're found out it's a, it's a, it's a killer of your present status, maybe a marriage, the respect of your children, and possibly a job? Do you know how you feel when you have that one sin that's so heavy? Can, can you imagine if you had on you the weight of all the sin of the world and you had never sinned? Jesus did nothing wrong, but we treated him as the vilest and the worst. Even in his teaching, the religious leaders despised him. They sought ways to kill him. The Bible says in Isaiah's prophecy, he was rejected of men. We didn't want him, we didn't like him. He he was too different. He's weird. He did not want to go out drinking with the boys. He doesn't care about gambling. He doesn't want to go to the casino. He's not interested in going to lewd movies. He's he he not interested in sleeping around. He's a weird duck, Jesus. The Bible says he had no sin. That means no bad attitudes. How are you and I doing? He never said something he shouldn't. How are you doing? He loved everybody he ever met. How are you and I doing? He didn't have any. I know what it is, feel guilt, don't you? He had none. He never had guilt, but yet he was treated as if he was guilty of the worst. The Bible says when he went to the cross, the verdict was, you will be, now listen to this, you will be the sin bearer. I read this verse, I've preached it, I just don't get it. I'm a daddy and a granddaddy and I don't get it. Jesus is called the beloved son of God. In fact, God said, he's my beloved son in whom I am very well pleased. But here's what the Bible says God chose to do to Jesus. He found him guilty as if he had committed every sin. Here's what it says. It pleased God to put on him the iniquity of us all. What? Can you imagine if you had to deal with everybody's sin and you had none? Can you imagine the weight can you imagine the weight? Do you, do you remember how you feel when you feel guilt? The weight, the weight of self-deprecation, how stupid can I be to do that? What was I thinking? You've you been there? The guilt, the weight of guilt of, I, I, I'm so afraid I'm going to be caught. I, I, just, I, I just feel awful. I, I can't eat. I can't sleep. Well, what, what if? And you play that game of what if to your miserable guilt has a weight? The disappointments that you create, the disappointment you created, the losses you sustained because of that sin, the fear of what's gonna happen. I mean, all those things are a heavy weight. And the Bible says Jesus took that weight of our sin. It says in Hebrews 12, lay aside the weight of sin. It's not just the deed, it's what you do when you do the deed that creates such weight on your heart. The Bible says Jesus took all of our sins. I can't imagine that. Here's the verdict. And the wages of sin is death. It's violent. Next time you think God snickers at your sin, he thinks you're cute. So some people have his image of God like an eternal grandfather. And when you sin, he says, well, you shouldn't have done that, but you are cute. He doesn't think you're cute. You think God smiles at sin? Have you ever checked the flood of the ark? Do You think he snickers when we sin? Have you ever seen how he eliminated the whole world except for eight people? Do you think he snickers at what we treat with sin today so glibly? Do you ever read the story of Sodom and Gomorrah where he licked it off the mouth with fire? Do you think he treats sin as cute? Have you ever been to the cross? The cross is violent. The cross wasn't intended to be kind to the victim. Today we're concerned when we inject people with a drug that has been a murder. Well, I'm afraid it wasn't merciful. They felt pain. Are you kidding me? Do you think this Romans cared whether or not Jesus felt pain? We're concerned now. We're trying to find a kind of gas that will be mercifully kind and it just quickly stuff out the life. Is that the way the murderer treated their victim? Do you really think Rome was concerned? Does that nail hurt? You want me to move it over a bit? Uh, excuse me. That that one a little uncomfortable. I'm sorry. Put him back down and now I'll, I'll move it over a notch. You you really think they were concerned about whether or not he suffered? You really think he snickers at your sin? You think somewhere in the mind of God there's a sense of humor? Aren't they cute? Do you understand God is holy? What what does that mean? It means he cannot stand that which is not holy. You think God snickers when the kingdom that he created is marred with the muddy footprints of thoughtless men and women who have no regard for the law of God and track it up? Boy, my mama and I married one like her. If she's cleaning the house and I come in with dirty feet, the wrath falls. Do you really think God thinks it's funny when you walk in with feet polluted from the world and act like you're doing Him a favor to show up and worship Him? Who are you kidding? The cross is violent. See, it's the place where the verdict is executed, it's violent. Do you know what it costs Jesus? Scientists tell us your hands are so sensitive that if a nail was driven through your hands, it'd feel like you got hit with a bolt of lightning. How many times did they do that? Jesus, both hands and his feet. You know what he's doing? He wasn't cursing. He wasn't swearing. He wasn't saying, boy, if I got off of here, that's what thieves, the thieves did. That's what most other people do. Chris said, boy, if I got 10 minutes alone with you, I'd make you hurt. You know what Jesus did? Father, forgive them. What? The cross is a place of the verdict. It's a place... It's a place of violence. The Bible says at the cross, he dealt with all that we are. He knows how we feel. He understands our pain at all points tempted like we are. Well, the cross is a place of death. And that's what the Bible says. If, we, if we're willing to put our sins on the cross, the payment of, of death is paid. It's not a joint effort. Now, I'll pay 90%. If you'll do good works for the 10%, it'll come out even. I'll give the down payment if you'll make monthly installments of good works. You'll go to heaven No, no, no. I'm a pauper that couldn't possibly pay the entry fee But Jesus said I'll pay it all I'll take it all and I'll pay for it on the cross and we know about the cross, but do we know about the tomb? You see there's also a cross uh, There's a tomb accompanied cross where there's death there has to be burial some of you in this room and many across the world have come to the cross and you look at it and you hear the message about Jesus and you study it a bit and you say, well, that's it. I, just, I just can't believe that. I don't believe that. And you walked away. You came to the cross. You just didn't stop there. You, you looked at the cross, but you said, that, that's not for me. Some of you, you studied the cross said, well, I just, I just never understood it. So I just gave up on it. It's not you didn't come. You didn't let the cross of Christ affect you. You didn't let his blood that was shed cover you. The Bible says, well, the a shedding of blood. There's no covering for our sin. You said, well, I don't believe there's somebody who can pay for my sin anyway. And by the way, I'm not that bad. Well, you see, the problem is not, are you not that bad? The problem is, are you perfect? Because the only way you get into heaven is perfect. The Bible says, be ye perfect, even as your father's perfect. I'm in bad company and you got a bad preacher. Question is, after the cross, was there a tomb? What was the tomb mark? Death. Death. Been preaching 47 years. I have no idea how many funerals I've conducted and how many I've attended, but a bunch. And I've never seen a time where somebody started out with the casket, started out of the church with the casket and put it in the hearse and the sweet wife or husband say, listen, I've changed my mind. We're not going to seminary. I I won't take John or uh, I'm going to take Jackie home with me. I've never seen that happen. Why? You're not going to take a dead corpse home with you. Well, I, I just hate to be without, her. I hate to be without. I'll, I'll sit him up in the easy, a lazy boy in our living room, and I, I just want to be with him a while longer. Don't, 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 don't go bury him. You say, Brother Nick, that's almost bordering on cruel humor. Do you know what I've met people that didn't bury their past? You'd look mighty funny walking around with a corpse, sitting in a restaurant with a corpse, driving the car with a corpse, watching television with a corpse. You'd look pretty foolish. I've known Christians that could never bury their past. It's just as alive today as it was when it happened. And, you know, things you did or things done to you or something that should have happened for you didn't happen or something you lost, it was so great, you said, I'll never let that go. How's that working for you? You never buried it. You came to the cross. Oh, I believe he died for my sin, but I'll not forget. And here it goes. Some of you have never been to the tomb, Have you? Have you? Because every time you hear about the cross, you say, well, you just don't know my story. You don't know my Lord. You, you don't know, what, was, you don't know what, what I did. No, but you don't know my Lord. Did you see some of these testimonies? In prison, 17 years. A lesbian, set free. One who knew what it was to live with lust and delivered. Anybody here? Everybody has a past. But the question is, was that past buried in the sea of God's forgetfulness? Are you walking free? Or are you limping? Because you say, I, I, I feel like I trusted Jesus, but he, he, never, he never took away, he never took that away from me, and I just keep thinking about it. I can't get it off my mind. Some of you take your pet sins out when you're troubled. You say, well, I, 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 I'm pretty good most of the time, but when I really get an impression, I, I go back to what I used to do. So you go back to the tomb and bring the corpse home with you. You go back to the grave and you bring the corpse home with you. I've never driven the cemetery and anybody after the graveside say, Brother Nick, tell the funeral directors not to lower the body of the coffin into the vault and cover it. We're, we're going to take him back home with us. Everybody in, everybody in the group is saying, no, 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 don't do that. I'm telling you, I'm taking him home with me. Some of you here have been to many Easter's and you love the story, but you've never been transformed enough to bury your pastor, You know, they buried Jesus. They didn't just sit him out on the ground and say, well, he says he's coming back. No need to waste time burying him. They buried him because they couldn't fathom he would come back from the dead. There's some of you that go every every day to your to where you say you buried your sin and you resurrect it. Either to blame yourself or to feel all the pain again or to feel the shame again or to deal with the guilt again. You will not bury it in the tomb. One of the most depressing places of all is a graveyard. There's nothing pretty. Oh, you say, well, it's mowed nice, we have flowers. That's great. My yard's mowed and we got bushes, but there's nothing pretty about a cemetery. I don't know how long you got to walk by those cold gray or rock, uh, uh, cold gray or brown stones and they list the name, date of birth, date of death, and maybe a part of a verse or a saying, You ever leaned on one, ever touched one? Have you loved when they're cold, hard, harsh, been raining, they're wet, snowed, they're damp and cold? That's the way death is. Some of you, your previous sins are not dead. Your previous sorrows are not dead. You're going to have lunch with them today. You had breakfast with them. I'm not interested to just go to the cross is there a B.C. in your life where it said before Christ, this is what I was. He paid my sin penalty and it is buried. True for you? Third thing is on the first day of the week, the Bible says Jesus rose from the dead. Well, that must have been something. Must have been something. The Bible says it was an earthquake. I wonder what time of the morning it was. The Bible says it was an earthquake, and all those specialty guards that were around the tomb were there, trying to keep Jesus, make sure he wasn't stolen. <laughs> they hadn't trained for resurrection duty. They had trained to keep a thief out. They had trained to make sure that that stone is not going to move. But what they didn't know is the one that's going to come. The one going to move that stone was coming from the inside out. The stone was not rolled away to let Jesus out. Once he came out, he rolled the stone back to let everybody see he is not here. The Bible says that must have been massive. The stone was six, uh, uh, sci- uh, history tells the stone was about six feet wide and six feet tall, weighed maybe two tons. It was moved off with such a vari- uh, uh, such velocity and power that it was obvious a man didn't do this. John is the one who uses the word to tell us the real picture. By the way, John was the first man to the tomb. Peter got there second, just ran past John on end. But the Bible says the stone was aero, A-E-R-O in Greek. It means to pick up and set off some distance. When John saw where a two-ton stone had sat and where a two-ton, two-ton stone was sitting, he didn't have to say, wonder if something big happened here. He said, there's been a resurrection. Some of you have been to the cross. Some of you wear a cross. Some of you draw crosses on pieces of paper when you're doodling. Some of you have been, even been to the tomb. You said, when Christ died for me, I believe he buried my sin. Now, sometimes you go back and visit, don't you? You'll take it out a little while, dwell on it a little while, deal with the grief a little while, beat up yourself for doing that for a little while, so you don't really bury it. You just kind of put it in safekeeping, lay away, till I need to flagellate myself. But if you're really a Christian... And you really understand the power of the resurrection. The cross and resurrection of Jesus always were preached together in the first century. Why? If there is no resurrection, you and I are here today in honor of a dead Jew. If there's no resurrection, we're here today honoring a dead Jewish carpenter's son. If there's no resurrection. Bible says, Paul said, if there's no resurrection from the dead, our preaching has no foundation. What does that mean? Every funeral I've ever preached, I was a liar. When I said, This isn't the end, your loved one is now face to face with the Lord, for to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. If there's no resurrection, your preacher is a liar. If there's no resurrection, there's no foundation for preaching because when you die, you die like a dog and your flesh goes to dust and you're annihilated. That's it. If there's no resurrection, we're looking back at the death of a Jew who died and was buried and we understand that well and everything from the burial forward is a myth if there's no resurrection. But I'm here to tell you today, there is a resurrection of Jesus Christ from the grave. And 2,018 years ago today, when he came out of the grave, women went to the tomb to anoint his dead body. Praise God, he wasn't present. And when they went to get the disciples and they ran out there to verify, praise God, he wasn't present. When Mary thought she'd seen a gardener, praise God, it wasn't a gardener. It was the son of God who called her by name and said, Mary, go tell my disciples, meet me. I'm alive. You've been to the tomb. I don't mean this one. I mean the one of the resurrection. The one that says, in my life, there's a before Christ and there's an Anno Domini in the year of my Lord. Do you know what it is to say, I know what it was to be dead? and live in guilt and shame and disappointment and hurt people and lose a marriage or lose my family's trust or lose a job or lose my self-esteem or lose my peace of mind because of fear? Do you know what that is to have loss? Yes. Do you know why Jesus died? It pleased God to put on him the sins of us all. You know why? It's important that you know about the full story of the resurrection. Because that resurrection validates Jesus is who he said he is. I find it interesting. The Bible says in Romans chapter fourteen that his resurrection proves he's the son of God. Listen to this. Paul would write in Romans 114. Regarding the son, we preach who as his earthly life was a descendant of David, Paul wrote. Who through the spirit of holiness... He was appointed the son of God in power by the resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ, our Lord. He was appointed. He was designated. He was approved, certified son of God. Why? Not because he died on the cross and said, forgive them. But because he came from the life and the grave forevermore and said, all who come into me, I will in no wise cast out. You can have your sin forgiven and live eternally with God. Do you read do you remember what God said not only does the resurrection prove he's the son of God the resurrection proves we're united with Christ I love this verse romans six eight if we if there's that there's that terrible two letter word if you got that one place in your house that's you just raised just a little bit and every time you go through you, you stub your toe you just forget just just enough raise you forget it if if some of you tripped over if more times and you want to remember. Romans says, if, listen to this, if, if we died with him, we shall be raised to newness of life in him. So the question is, you've been to the cross. Did you die to him? Die with him? Die to yourself? Have you buried your sin? Have you buried your past? Have you buried all that junk? that you've been carrying around with two hefty bags and a backpack for years? year, did you bury it? And have you been to the grave this morning to realize there's a hole in it coming this direction? He's not in there. We're not coming to worship a dead Christ. We're coming to re- worship a risen Lord. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, here it is, listen. 1 Corinthians 15, 57, listen to this. The Bible says... When we trust Christ, I, I love this. It says, now, thanks be to God. He has given us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Did you hear that? He has given us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. What, what does that mean? It's, it's baseball season's open already. Some of y'all are lovers of baseball. Some still love basketball and it's going. Five months till football won't be long. When that comes, you're sitting in the stands, or sitting in the bleachers, or you're sitting out there in the outfield eating nachos, watching your team play. And all of a sudden, that and I'm going to use football because that's my favorite football. You're sitting there on the edge, of the with you see whether OU, OSU, TU, Arkansas, whoever you root for, and it's coming down to the wire, fourth quarter, minute left. Two points divide the team. Who The team that's down two points has the ball and they're trying to get, there, get within field goal range so they can win and nobody's sitting in their seat for 30 minutes. It's wasted real estate. Nobody's sitting there. Everybody's on their feet. You can feel the tension, the band is are beating those bass drums and and those uh, cymbals, crashing those cymbals to keep people motivated as if you needed help. And all of a sudden, you're coming down to that final few minutes. Here's the last play. Six seconds left on the clock. The quarterback takes the snap, and it's obvious he's not going for a field goal. He's going for the win, and he drops back, and everybody's eyes are this big. The opposing team is on their feet saying, miss it, miss it. The winning team, the the home team's in, catch that ball. And all of a sudden, that ball sets through the air 40 yards, lands right perfectly in the hands of the receiver. He gathers it in, takes a few yards, and he's in the end zone. And here's what happens. 30,000, 40,000, 50,000, how big is a stadium you're in, everybody's on the home team, and the home team just won. 50,000 people shout, we won! We won! Why would you say that? You ain't got any mud on you. You didn't get cleated. You didn't say something your mama told you not to say out there on the field. Why would you shout, We won? Because you're so in tune with that team. You may be wearing their colors. You may have your favorite player's number on your chest. You've been eating nachos from the home team's concession stand. <laughs> and when that team wins, with everything in you, you shout, We won. I've been to the empty tomb. I'm gonna be back there just in a few weeks. First time I went to Israel, I kind of felt cheated because they said we don't know exactly where the tomb of Jesus was. Maybe out there in the tomb of the Herods. Could be here at Gordon's Garden. Maybe under the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. We're really not sure. And I pooched my lip. I came to see the tomb. But then it dawned on me, the reason they know exactly where it is, he just needed it three days. See, most tombs you go to see, who's buried in there? Jesus' tomb is famous for who's not in there. I've been to the empty tomb. I'm grateful I went to the cross because he's died in my place. The wages of sin is death, and I believe Jesus died just for me. I know what it is to have your sins forgiven because I'm a satisfied customer. He's taken those off of me and told me, you need deal with those no more. And every time I try to resurrect them, he said, wait a minute, wait a minute. That is, that is already covered. Don't you bring that back. I have forgotten that and forgiven it. Don't you bring it back. Isn't that good? And then I've been to the empty tomb. You know what that means? Maybe today. One of these days, that that heart that just beat, it won't do that again. One of these days when that heart beats its last time and this old shell of a body drops to the floor like an old garment's not needed anymore, don't you weep for me. I've been to the empty tomb. (laughs) And that same Jesus who was died and was buried, that same Jesus rose from the dead so that all who believe in him can have everlasting life. For God so loved the whole world that he gave his one and only begotten son that whosoever, I'm a whosoever, you're a whosoever, whosoever believes in him. Isn't that good eight-year-old boy? In that good 10-year-old girl, in that good teenager, in that good young adult, in that good married woman, in that good married daddy, in that good granddaddy, whosoever believes in him, listen to this part, it's good now, shall not perish, but can have everlasting life. You know what the Bible says? I show you a mystery will not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, the twinkling light, the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. This mortal will put on immortality. This corruption will put on incorruption. Then shall be brought to pass the saying written, Death, where's your victory? Grave, where's your sting? The sting of death is sin. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Happy Easter. I want you to bow your heads with me, would you? We've had so many people say, Pastor, I'm praying for some folks to get to know Christ this this Easter. They prayed for mamas and daddies and work associates and friends. Some have prayed for their children. You are here today, many of you, for the first time at our church, and maybe somebody's prayed for you. I don't know. There's some of you in church today that you say, Brother Nick, I just really felt compelling today. I need to, I needed to come, and I'm so glad you did. Today, I've told you best I know how the simple story of Easter, it does have a cross in it. Jesus died there. It does have a tomb, for he was buried for three days. On the first day of the week, on a Sunday morning like this one, the tomb was empty. He came alive from the grave. I believe there's some people in this room like me for many years. I, 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 I knew Christ, but I just, I, I knew that there was a Christ, but I didn't have my life in him. I, I, I through the years have met people and say, brother Nick, I know that I know Jesus. There are things I don't know, but I know that I know Jesus. I know that at the time I trusted him, I believe he died for me. I believe he buried my sin. I believe he came alive from the grave for me. we have such a marvelous group here just so I know how to pray for us I ask you just a real quick question you say brother Nick I know that I know Christ if that's you brother Nick if Christ came today there is no doubt in my mind I'd go to be with him in heaven I don't have to wonder about it I don't doubt it I know it for sure if that's you you say brother Nick I know that I know Christ I believe he died for me and came alive from the grave to give me eternal life and I've experienced that And I know that for sure. Would you just lift your hand right where you are? Hold them up just a minute. Hold them up so I can see. Just a minute. Takes me a minute. Hold them up. I know that I know Christ. Thank you. You may put them down. I'm so grateful. All across this room, people raise their hands, say, Brother Nick, if Jesus comes today at lunchtime, I'll meet you in there. We'll be with him forever. But what troubles me, not everybody could raise your hand. Be ashamed to come to church on Easter and not leave with the Christ of Easter. Maybe some of you are like me for years I was in church. My daddy was the preacher. But there are things that troubled me about my life and I just never gotten them straight. Maybe that's you. Doesn't make you a bad person. It just means I never got I never got straightened out. I never came to Christ as I needed to. Maybe some of you here today say, Brother Nick, I don't know Christ, or I'm not sure if I know Christ. I do think about it at easter. This year I've thought about it because a loved one died and I wonder if that'd been me where I'd be today the bible says if you believe on him he will give you eternal life if you died with him you'll be raised with him question is have you been to the cross and trusted christ have you allowed him to bury your past do you know for certain that in your life there's a time before christ and there's a time right now when you say i know that i know him or brother nick i never had a time i really trusted him genuinely trust him because I just keep dealing with the same old stuff I've never been changed I want to trust him I want to settle it but I've never really done it I'm just not sure brother Nick that I've really trusted Christ if that's you would you just lift your hand I just want to pray for you I'm just not sure thank you there are others just hold them up just real quickly so I know how to pray for you brother Nick I'm not sure that I know Christ the crowd this size not everybody could raise your hand a minute ago Would you raise it now to say, Brother Nick, I'm just not sure. I don't know for sure. Anybody? Will you do it? Then here's what I want us to do. In this room this morning, not everybody could raise their hand. They trusted him. But nobody raised their hand to say, Brother Nick, I'm not sure. That leaves us in a quandary. Some are either embarrassed to raise your hand to say, I know for sure, or embarrassed to say, I don't. I don't want to embarrass you, and I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to embarrass you, but I am going to pray for you. Because, you see, this morning, you've got an opportunity not just to come to Easter services, but you've got an opportunity to celebrate Easter in your heart. first hour, we had two people who came to know Christ, said, today, I, I just really felt like I ought to be in church. One young lady came, and just because a friend had helped her when she was out of gas, a lady picked her up and took her to a place to get— gas and she said you blessed me I, I want to come meet you in church I know where you go to church she came today to meet her and she came to know Christ in a moment we're going to stand to sing an invitation maybe today even though you didn't raise a hand you say brother Nick I, I don't want to leave the way I came in I've done that too many times today I want to come to the cross I want to seek the forgiveness of Christ I want to let him bury my past all the heaviness of it When I leave today, I want to rejoice in a brand new life in Christ. That could be yours. That's the message of Easter. Father, you know every heart. You know every person in this room. You know the needs of every individual. I don't don't know those, but you do. And so for whatever it is today that causes somebody to say, I'm not ready or I'm not sure, I'm not sure I could do this, remind them it's not about what they can do, it's what Christ did for us. We rest in your work, your finished work, where you paid for sins on the cross and came alive from the grave to offer eternal life and forgiveness to all who would believe. So today, they're not trusting in a preacher or church. They're not trusting in a sermon or a song. They're trusting in the Savior. And I would pray even in these moments when we stand to sing, for those who need to make commitments to Christ, they'll not look to the right or the left, but they'll come today to trust Christ. Let it be so, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand? We're going to sing this great old song together. If you need to come, there'll be folks here to receive you, whatever your need.